0: Men's round table. Morning. Morning. You got the volume up? Good deal. Guys, welcome to men's round table. A round table. No head of the table. We're all equal here. Equal in grace, equal in sin. Now telling uh Phil, this morning, I I had an idea of something I wanted to talk about last week as we came back to ceasefire, thinking about Paul and his letter to the Romans and the double-minded man, and how it seems like regardless of my intentions, my actions don't always line up with my intentions, and I was reminded of that again last night after spending two days Getting uh, tax information together. You know, it's tax season again. That's great. Getting tax information together and working through it. And my wife's car had to go in the shop yesterday and needed some work done on it. And she lost her cell phone. And I tried to help her find that. And I spent two days working on tax stuff. And I got home last night. She had dinner for me. And that was great. And the house is clean. And I didn't notice.
1: <laughs> Not good.
0: About 10 o'clock, she got up and uh, went to the bedroom and mumbled something (laughs) under her breath as she was going, something about not being appreciated. And as I sat in my electric recliner, I pushed the button and the footrest comes up. I thought, wow, not being appreciated. I took your car to the shop this morning. I took you on a jaunt trying to find your cell phone. You didn't have a controller for the garage door because it was in the car that's in the shop. So I drove back to Bluckstaff to open the garage door for you to get in the house. This morning, I apologized to her for not realizing that the house was clean, and that she cooked dinner for me last night.
1: And he came to his senses. Yes, he did. Yes, he did. Yes, he did.
0: Yes, he did. All those years of counseling have paid off just a little bit. Yeah. I wasn't looking at her. I was looking at myself, yeah. myself, guys, as we've come back to ceasefire, I just wonder how many of us have lost the connection with the men in this room, the guys we sit beside, our normal connection, the ones that walk with us every day and every week that keep us closer to that path, <laughs> the narrow path, mm-hmm. not the wide path. I know I have. And I'm glad to be back here. Mm, yeah. We continue in the series of Joshua, taking the land, looking today at friendships. What a day to be here mm. with friendship. Mm-hmm. Let me open with the prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for this day. We thank you for the opportunity to gather here. Lord, I thank you so much for Jeff and Jeff for Chris and Phil. Bringing a message each week to brothers here. Lord, I thank you for C Spire, for hosting us, providing this breakfast. Above all, Lord, I'm thankful for you, for the work you did on the cross, mm. forgiving me of my sins before I knew I had sinned, and forgiving me of my sins when I commit them anyway. Mm. In your name we pray. Mm. Amen. Amen.
1: Thank you, Joe. Morning, gentlemen. Welcome home. Welcome home. So good to be back uh, as we were last week and uh, this week and excited about um, having the Lord feed us uh, afresh this morning. I have a song for you this morning, um, and I'd like everybody to stand up, please. Um, this is a song that everybody's uh, familiar um, with uh, I gave uh, uh, Chris so much scripture this week, there's not room for the words of the song, but everybody knows this song. I want to read to you just the words. Uh, That great gospel singer, Bill Withers, Lean on Me. And today's session is on friendship. Uh, The words to the song, it could be a gospel song. We could be singing this in church on Sunday morning. Sometimes in our lives, we all have pain, we all have sorrow. But if we are wise, we know that there's always tomorrow. Lean on me when you're not strong, and I'll be your friend. I'll help you carry on, for it won't be long till I'm going to need somebody to lean on. Please swallow your pride if I have things you need to borrow, for no one can fill those of your needs that you won't let show. You just call on me, brother, when you need a hand. We all need somebody to lean on. I just might have a problem that you'll understand. We all need somebody to lean on. Guys, the Bible teaches an incarnational gospel. We believe that Jesus came in the flesh. And an incarnational gospel means that we have a real, live, human, sacrificial Savior that died for us. And when we sit with each other in the flesh, we experience, in a certain sense, Jesus, incarnational gospel, that the way God ministers is through his church, through one another. And it is so important that we have friends. And that's what we're talking about this morning. So when we say lean on me, we can say, I lean on Jesus in the way that Jesus shows himself to me is through my friends this morning as the song plays and we enjoy it i want you to greet uh, as many people as you can during the song say hi to guys you haven't seen in a while and let's just have a big love fest while lean on me plays may you hear the voice of god
2: <laughs> see you now. Good to see
1: you, man. Welcome back. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Always tomorrow. Lean on me <laughs> when you're not strong, <laughs> and I'll be <laughs> your friend. So buddy. I'll help. A song you need to borrow, you Jesus, name. no one can finish your don't love your then you won't let show uh, You're call only brother you uh, we got uh, we got to take care of we this. all uh, need somebody this. to I just don't they, they, um, uh, need uh, somebody to, to live. Uh.
1: The love fest is over. Let's continue. It's on. You got me, Jeff? All right. Be on the alert. Stand firm in your faith. Act like men. Be strong. The words from 1 Corinthians 16, 13. We continue. Joshua, take the land, be the man. Follow with me as we read our introductory paragraph. The book of Joshua is the book of conquest. The battlefield is Canaan, and it is where God keeps his promise that he made with Abraham. In this study, we will use the land possessed by Joshua and the people of Israel as a metaphor to understand how we take possession of what it means to be a Christian man. Let me just say this, guys, again, as we get deeper and deeper into the promised land, we ought to be deeper and deeper um, into our um, commitment to mature, grow, attack, um, that which holds us back, our failures, the chaos in our lives. The Bible calls that sin, and we ought to be growing. Um all of us are getting older, but it doesn't mean that we're growing. Um, growth is not always the goal of our lives, is it? You know, our careers, getting married, raising our children, all that. but the Bible uh, directs us to grow up, to mature, uh, to walk through a process that God has designed, to move us toward completion or wholeness. We'll never reach that fully, this side of heaven. Uh, There's a phrase that we use often in uh, theological um, um, uh, environments, the now but not yet. We are now everything that God designed us to be uh, as we've been redeemed by Jesus, but not yet. We're still walking through a process of development. And so, as we keep reading through Joshua, the intent is to see the great story of development and conquest that we're seeing in picture form as a template for our personal lives. It really is a metaphor. God's given us a story in order to help us understand the process that he wants each one of us to go through and that we are engaged in, whether you're conscious of it or unconscious. And and I guess if you're unconscious, then you're not really engaged in it, are you? Engage. We will examine 10 issues that men face every day. Each day is a battle to be faced with courage, strength, and faith. You must be courageous will you and this morning uh, we look at um issue number six um as we started last week uh, or, or uh, actually this is the first week on, on friendship uh friendships keeping finding and keeping godly friends now that's an interesting title is it not finding but some of you can't keep them <laughs> You know, I had one one time, I lost him. You know, finding and keeping, and and then there's that other part, godly friends. You know, not just a bunch of idiots to hang out with, but godly friends. What does that mean? That's what we'll look at this morning. I want you to pick up your pen. Let's go to work. We start out our morning uh, here at Men's Roundtable with journaling, because we are learning to be lifelong journalers. you got to work with your pen if you're going to conquer the land. In other words, become a man. Um, My my prayer is uh, one day there will be men stand up and say, you know, uh, Phil wasn't much of a teacher, but he taught me how to journal. That's cool. Right there. I have a journal, and I write my life. I write my life. I write my life. Three questions. First question, who are your three? If you've been coming to Men's Roundtable, and we're headed into uh, um, year 14 in August, we've been doing this uh, over 13 years, right, John? Right, And consistently, we talk about the number of men on a life team. I'm gonna ask you uh, some questions here for just a minute to to warm up to this question. How many guys on a basketball team at one time on the floor? Three, five. Quite, Quite an athlete. All right, five. How many guys on a baseball field at one time? Nine. How many guys on a football team on the field at one time? Eleven. Eleven. How many guys on a life team at one time? Four. Four. It's modeled all through Scripture. You and three others. You and three others. Jesus had 12 disciples and he had three. Scripture says that he was particularly close to David had 35 warriors, and he had three mighty warriors, special warriors. It's like the CIA of David's court, 35, but he had three that he was close to. And didn't think about it for a minute. You and God. Isn't that interesting? You and God. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. You've got to have three guys on your speed dial if you have more you are a blessed man most men are like that they've got golfing buddies drinking buddies fishing buddies but they don't really have three guys that are really show up when the chips are down you need those three guys you need them on your speed dial who are they can you name them second question when did you most recently experience healing love from a brother? I mean, think about that. Well, there was that one time, twelve years ago. You know, back when I was in college, there was this really cool experience. Guys, I I want you to know how much I appreciate the response that you gave me uh, last week as I shared, as I shared my own uh, failures. Um, and felt the shame afresh. Uh, Many of you uh, came up and offered your love and acceptance and emails and uh, phone calls that I got. I appreciate that. Um, I'm a broken man. Um, I'm a sinner saved by grace. I love Jesus, and it pains me greatly when I bring uh, shame to his kingdom and put you and us in jeopardy because of something that I've done. And uh, I appreciate your love. I've I've got lots of friends, and I appreciate it. Third question. Who needs to hear from you today? Open yourself up to God's voice right now. Who comes to mind? I think God will speak to you right now. Who needs to hear from you today? write it down. God's speaking to you right now. I'm not Pentecostal, but I could be. You know, God's speaking to you right now. Write it down. Who needs to hear from you today? Just a phone call, a text, email. Who needs to hear from you? Friends, Friends, finding and keeping godly friends. So let's go into Joshua. And once again, uh, God always gives us a model. And so we have the model of Joshua, he's uh, our template to understand manhood. So we're in chapter 8. Um, Joshua chapter eight. And what God tells, um, Joshua is go back to AI and do it God's way. Go back to AI and do it God's way. Because if you remember from last week, um, joshua chapter 7 was just a horrific experience of israel they had come out of jericho they were riding high they just won the biggest game of the year and what we often call that next game is a trap game it's a trap game you know it's a good time to catch a really good team is after they've won a big game right why is that because they're riding high on false confidence uh, the intensity is down. We got this, we got this. And if you remember when God sent him out um, to take AI, you know how many troops that Joshua put together in chapter seven It says that God uh, that Joshua put together three thousand guys, three thousand. and we're going to see something different here in just a minute. Three thousand. Ah, we got this, you know. We'll actually send our B team, we, our, our junior varsity guys, you know, let them practice a little bit on AI. It'll be easy. Watch this, chapter 8, verse 1. God said to Joshua, don't be timid and don't so much as hesitate. Now, that's interesting. God knows what's going on with Joshua. What's Joshua feeling at this moment? He's feeling discouraged. Don't get discouraged. You got beat. You got beat really bad. You want to quit. You're ashamed. The enemy keeps talking to you. You can hear that crazy one. We call it the critical parent voice in our head. Right, Roger? By the way, Everybody give Roger a hand. He just finished his counseling degree this week. Just get on the train and keep moving, right? Keep chopping wood. You'll get there, right, Roger? Just keep chopping wood. Proud of you, bro. The idea is that when we are discouraged, um, God comes to us and he understands where we are. And he understood where Joshua was. And so God continues, take all your soldiers with you and go back to AI. What? Go back. Thank God for those words. Go back. Thank God for a God of second chance. Give me another chance. Go back. Go back. Go back. I know. I know. It didn't. It didn't work the last time. Go back. How, how much do we need to hear that every day? I need to hear that. Don't Don't quit. Don't quit. Go back. Got to make some changes. Go back. Go back to AI. And then this is incredible. I have turned the king of AI over to you, his people, his city, and his land. What? Now, again, keep in mind that that day starts with a full dose of failure on Joshua's part. He's sitting there in full failure uniform, whatever that looks like to you, you know? Probably didn't take a shower that morning, didn't even shave, you know, disheveled. I'm going to call in sick today. I'm discouraged. Everybody's been there. Failure. This is a bad day. This is a bad day. I can't do this. I can't do this. And then in the midst of that, what God says to him, I've given you the victory. Now I would I would offer you another word there that we talk about a lot more around here than 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 victory. Victory makes me a little nervous, um, especially being a Tennessee fan. <laughs> that's uh, the, uh, that's that's an obscure term these days in Knoxville. Uh, we're in a rebuild. You know, we've been that way for the last twelve years. I mean, there's a whole generation of Tennessee fans that don't even know what it means to win big we're in recovery we're in recovery we're trying to recover and that's what we talk about around here um, a lot Uh, victory seems to indicate you're never going to struggle again recovery is that daily process like roger has gone through even in his counseling pursuits was it easy roger how many times did you want to quit (laughs) You answered my question. That's all all I need right there. Thank you for that response. Yeah, recovery. Recovery. Verse 2. Do to Ai and its king what you did to Jericho and its king. Only this time Only this time you may plunder its stuff and cattle to your heart's content. Now, what's he referring to there? What happened the last time? The last time um, God had said, when you go in there, don't touch anything. The idea of first fruits. All the other cities and all the other uh, plunder you can have. But when you go into Jericho, first is mine. Give me the first. And as we read last week, there's a phrase that came out of that whole experience, and the phrase is this, sin in the camp. Don't you? I want everybody to write that phrase. Sin in the camp. Guys, that, that phrase scares me to death. There's sin in the camp. There's sin in my home there's sin in my life. There's sin in the camp. And because there was sin in the camp through Achan, because he had taken the plunder, all of Israel was held responsible. It said, it, as we read last week in chapter seven, Israel sinned. Well, no, 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 it was, it was, it was, it was, it was. And God held everybody responsible. I mean... What if I was responsible for your sin? What if you were responsible for my sin? I mess up. And you start to experience the consequences. How would that make you feel, to put it in counseling terms? Not too good. And that's exactly what happened. And so here is... um, God saying to Joshua, you can have it all. Now, here's the amazing thing, guys. Now, don't miss this. Achan was like 24 hours, 48 hours away from having everything. Think about that for a minute. If if Achan would have just waited two days, he could have had everything that he stole and more. Do you get that? Does that make sense to you? I mean, here's God saying, go into Ai and you can have it all. And Achan dug his fingernails into it. And he lost it all. Wow. Wait on God. Wait on God. And when you get tired, wait on God. And then this is so key right here. Set an ambush behind the city. In the Battle of Jericho, God's commander of his armies appeared to Joshua and gave him clear instructions. It appears in chapter 7 when Joshua prepares to go into Ai. Joshua got no instructions from God. He just decided, well, this would be an easy deal. We'll send 3,000 guys in. Won't be a problem. Second chance at AI. Where's Joshua getting his strategy for battle? From God. From God. Set an ambush behind the city. So we continue verse three. Joshua and all his soldiers got ready to march on AI. And Joshua chose 30,000 men. Guys. I'm not a mathematician, but I know the difference between 3,000 and 30,000. Now, what's what's really interesting is that God had already promised him the uh, the, uh, the victory. Wouldn't it make sense uh, that he, first time he should have used 30,000, then, well, you know, God's promised a victory. We'll do 3,000. No, he never took for granted, even when God gave him the victory, that it was going to be easy. 3,000 versus 30,000. Are you ready? Are you prepared? Are you shored up, pre- uh, prayed up, coached up, prepared up, doing the hard work? 30,000 men, tough, seasoned fighters, and sent them off at night with these orders. Pay me all your attention now. lion ambushed behind the city. Get as close as you can. Stay alert. I and the troops with me will approach the city head on. When they come out to meet us just as before, we'll turn and run. They'll come after us, leaving the city. As we are off and running, they'll say, they're running away, just like the first time. That's your signal to spring from your ambush and take the city. God, your God, will hand it to you on a platter. Once you have the city, burn it down. God says it, you do it, go to it. I've given you your orders. Wow. Guys, this picture that God has given has been used through centuries as a military strategy. Coax them out, get them out in the open, and then, boom, come in behind them and take the city. What's powerful here is to realize God does it different. What did they do to defeat Jericho? Marched around the city and blew a ram's horn <laughs> in the middle of the day. What did they do to defeat Ai? At night, ambush, totally different strategy. You know what God did? He used the very self-confidence that the king of Ai had developed in his first defeat, just as the Israelites had been overly self-confident against Ai himself. You get that? How confident was Ai that this second battle with Israel would would, would be easy? Overly confident. Guys, when you start thinking too much of yourself, boom. God won't let you get away with that. My life is filled with examples of um, my own pride, my own arrogance, my own self-confidence getting in the way of God's plan for my life. And I'm so grateful for that. It's painful to have your self-confidence wiped out in order for God to be glorified. I choose God's glory. How about you? Joshua said to them, or sent them off. They sent their ambush and waited between Bethel and Ai, just west of Ai. Joshua spent the night with the people. Joshua was up early in the morning and mustered his army. He and the leaders of Israel led the troops to Ai, the whole army, fighting men of all. Marched right up within sight of the city and set camp on the north side of Ai. There was a valley between them and Ai. He had taken about 5,000 men, put them in ambush between Bethel and Ai, west of the city. They were all deployed, the main army to the north of the city and the ambush to the west. Joshua spent the night in the valley with his men, with his men. So it happened that when the king of Ai saw all this, the men of the city lost no time. They were out there at the crocodile to join Israel in the battle, the king and his troops, at a field en route to the Abab. The king didn't know the ambush, said against him behind the city. He's going to get tricked. Joshua and all Israel uh, let themselves be chased. They ran toward the wilderness. Everybody in the city was called to the chase. They pursued Joshua and led away from the city. There wasn't a soul left in Ai or Bethel who wasn't out there chasing after Israel. Isn't that Interesting. Everybody gave chase. This is going to be fun. Come on. The city was left empty and undefended as they were chasing Israel down. Wow. Nobody at home. Nobody at home. Then God spoke to Joshua, stretch out the javelin in your hand toward Ai. I'm giving it to you. Joshua stretched out the javelin in his hand toward Ai, and at the signal, the men in ambush sprang to their feet, ran to the city took it and quickly laid it up in flames. The men of Ai looked back and oh, saw the city going up in smoke. They found themselves trapped with nowhere to run. The army on the run, toward the wilderness, did an about face. Joshua and all Israel, seeing that the ambush had taken the city, saw it. Going up in smoke, turned and attacked the men of Ai, and then the men in the ambush poured out of the city. The men of Ai were caught in the middle with Israelites on both sides, a real massacre, and not a single survivor except for the king of Ai. They took him alive and brought him to Joshua. Now, something's getting ready to happen here with the king. Don't miss this. Everybody was wiped out. God gave the victory. God gave the victory, but he gave it creatively and differently. Guys, this is a lesson in don't put God in a box. Well, this is why we've always done it. This is why we've always done it. You know, revival breaks out about this time every year, and so revival will break out this year about this time every year. No, no. We are in our ministries, in our churches, in our personal lives. We are all too quick to put God in a box. This is the way he always does it. This is the way he did it last year. This is the way i will do it this year. No, you better be flexible and adaptable. Don't put God in a box. When it was all over, Israel had killed everyone in Ai, whether in the fields or the wilderness where they had chased them. When the killing was complete, the Israelites returned to Ai and completed the devastation. The death toll that day came to 12,000 men and women Everyone in AI. And guys, as I said last week, these pictures that God gives us, these three-dimensional real-life stories is an indication of the way God operates today. The Old Testament God is the same as the New Testament. Do not get trapped in the lie that the Old Testament God is different than the New Testament God. These pictures are pictures, three-dimensional real-life pictures of God's judgment, and that judgment will be true in our day and time as it was then. And when you see these people wiped out, that is an illustration of God's judgment. He is loving, but he is also judging. Joshua didn't lower his outstretched javelin until the sacred description of Ai, or destruction of Ai, and its people were completed. Israel did get to take the livestock and loot left in the city. God's instruction to Joshua allowed for that. Now, Verse 28 and 29, very, very key. 28 and 29, Joshua burned Ai to the ground, a a heap of nothing forever, a no place. Go see for yourself. He hanged the king of Ai from a tree. At evening, with the sun going down, Joshua ordered the corpse cut down. They dumped it at the entrance to the city and piled it high with stones. You can go see that also. Wow. Well, that's kind of cruel and nasty. Guys. Turn over to Galatians chapter 3. Joshua hung the king of Ai on a tree. Now, what does that remind you of? Why did God have Joshua do that? Galatians chapter 3 says this. Verse 9. So those now who live by faith are blessed along with Abraham who live by faith. This is no new doctrine. And that means that anyone who tries to live by his own effort, independent of God, is doomed to failure. Scripture backs this up. Listen to this. Utterly cursed is every person who fails to carry out every detail written in the book of the law. If you're just trying to be good, You can't be good enough. God demands holiness. The obvious impossibility of carrying out such a moral program should make it plain that no one can sustain a relationship with God that way. The person who lives in right relationship with God does it by embracing what God arranges for him. Doing things for God is the opposite of entering into what God does for you. Habakkuk had it right. Quote, the person who believes God is set right by God, and that's the real life. Rule-keeping does not naturally evolve into living by faith, but only perpetuates itself in more and more rule-keeping, a fact observed in Scripture. The one who does these things, rule-keeping, continues to live by them. And listen to this last part. Christ redeemed us from self-defeating curse life by absorbing it completely into himself. Do you remember the scripture that says, listen to this, cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. God started this picture that to be crucified, to hang on a tree, was the ultimate humiliating kind of death. He started it with Ai as king. It's a preview of coming attractions. Don't miss this. That is what happened when Jesus was nailed to the cross. He became a curse, and at the same time dissolved the curse. And now, because of that, the air is cleared, and we can see that Abraham's blessing is present and available for non-Jews too. We are all able to receive God's law, his spirit, in and with us by believing just the way Abraham received it. Wow. Wow. Preview of coming attractions. A man hung on a tree, and God cursed him and he's going to give that curse to Jesus. But Jesus will take the curse upon himself and rise from the dead. Wow. Now, one last part, and I don't have time to read the passage. You you can read the passage, but let me just give you the story. At the latter part of chapter 8 there, there is a valley, Mount uh, Gerizim and Mount Ebal. And uh, Joshua builds an altar at Mount Ebal. And I've seen pictures of this valley. It's like a natural amphitheater. And there's houses built there now. But you can look it up on Google Maps or something. Mount Gerizim um, and Mount Ebal. And what he had them do that's described at the end of the chapter is those who are on Mount um, Gerizim would read the law out of Deuteronomy that talked about the blessing. And so they're over here reading the blessing. And the guys on the other side of the valley on the hill, they could hear the blessings. And then the guys on Mount Ebal, they were reading the curse. If you obey me, there's blessing. If you disobey, there's curse. So these guys on Mount Ebal were reading the curse. But if you don't obey, bad things are gonna happen. Bad things are gonna happen. And they're reading this back and forth across this valley. And at the beginning of chapter uh, of, of verse 30 it says that Joshua built an altar which one do you think he built the altar on if you've not read the passage which one do you think he built the altar on Mount Ebal the mountain of curse now why would you build the altar sacrificing animals blood altars on the mountain of curse Because he's giving the people a picture that without blood, there is no blessing. And on the mountain of curse is where we did the sacrifice, because it's a picture of our own sin. Isn't that amazing? Pictures to help us in our faith. Guys, once again, God gives us the gospel in three-dimensional form in Joshua, and he wants us to become men after his own heart. What I want you to look at is that part of being a man is having friends. And you cannot do it alone. I am so grateful for the men in this room that love me and that have loved me to be a better man. And I love you dearly. I love you dearly. This, you know, this past two or three weeks has been demons in the transportation thing. My transmission went out on the car. Last Thursday, I had a flat uh, in Wilmer. Uh, Praise God for OnStar. And then this crazy gas crisis happens. And I had I couldn't find uh, gas coming out of Fairhope until I got to Loosedale yesterday morning at 6 a.m. in the morning. I just prayed, God, give me gas. And he did, and now this afternoon I'm headed back and I'm praying that I can find gas going back. It's like, it's crazy. But guys, I've got people in this room that would help me whether it's transportation or anything else. And I hope you have that. You gotta have your team. You gotta have friends. Thank God for Joshua. Thank you, God, for giving us a model. And most importantly, thank you for Jesus. Thank you for Jesus. Father, we are so grateful um, that you make your word come alive to us, that you give us uh, pictures to inspire us even today. May the 13th, 2021, what a world that we live in, and we are uh, bombarded by news that can threaten us and uh, bring fear into our life. But, Father, keep us anchored in you. May we continue to breathe the air that you give us and no one else. We are loyal and committed to you. We will die for you. In Jesus' name. Amen. Have a great week guys. Yeah. yeah.